We acknowledge and are mindful that CSU Chico stands on lands that were originally occupied by the first people of this area, the Machupta, and we recognize their distinctive spiritual relationship with this land and the waters that run through campus. We are humbled that our campus resides upon sacred lands that once sustained the Machupta people for centuries. Welcome to the Rise, Teach, Learn podcast. I am Dr. Chiara Ferrari, Director of Faculty Development at Chico State, and we are happy to make this resource available to our campus community and beyond. The podcast is hosted by Dr. Jamie Lynn Gunderson, and she will engage in timely conversations with faculty, staff, and students, and give you a taste of the Chico experience. Subscribe to our podcast and explore the many resources available on our website. Thank you for listening. Hello. And welcome to Rise, Teach, Learn. I'm your host, Jamie Gunderson. In this episode, we explore impacts and examples of student research, and we will hear from an interdisciplinary team of deans, faculty, and lecturers, all of whom are focused on providing authentic research experiences within their teaching practice. So I am here with Sharon Berrios, Kate McCarthy, and Nate Millard, and I am really excited to have an episode dedicated to supporting student research and in the quest to figure out what all was out there and available for our Wildcat community. I also wanted to look at the impact or the why behind we offer these opportunities. So I invited our guests on today to have a discussion about what's out there, what's available, and why we offer it. Jamie, in my role as Dean of Undergraduate Education, I'm constantly fixated on how we can help more students be successful in their coursework, uh, get the degree they want, and open up the futures that they're aiming for. And we've discovered that the undergraduate research experience is a really powerful driver of student success. So as of now, a student at Chico State can have an authentic research experience in their very first semester as a first-time freshman um, in a general education course. Uh, There's a course that Nate developed, UNIV 101, uh, that served 250 students last year, last fall, and they did real, authentic, real-world research, and we're pretty confident that was a high-impact practice for them. Nate, can you tell us a little bit about that course and maybe give us insight on how you came up with the design? You know, I think it started with just trying to support student success in general, right? I mean, it really started with us looking at high impact practices. What can we do to support all students? Eventually, undergraduate research, of course, emerges as, you know, the high impact practice. Um, And especially when we look at equity issues and we're, you know, we're looking at grad schools and we're we're looking at even our faculty um, and how do we get, you know, more diversity in our faculty? How do we get more people into grad school? How do we get people into research? But then a lot was about authenticity, right? How do you, in a general education course, make sure students feel like they're doing research and that that they see themselves like why they're important in doing the research? And so we developed this course that had students actually researching student success and equity on campus. So they were looking specifically at programs that we offer on campus, all the student success, because what we learned, especially through COVID, was that we're doing so much but the students don't always know all that we're doing for them. They don't know everything that's there. And so we're trying to find a way to, to introduce that to them and have them help understand like, you know, 
what makes someone resilient? You know, why seek help? Why go, go to these programs? You know, why join different things on campus? And in that process of blending that with high impact practice and, and undergraduate research, we said, why not have students do research on programs on campus about why they're successful, how they're successful? Uh, and I think the, the, the best thing about that is that students see why they're the best people to do that. They're like, oh, I understand. This is about me and I'm the best person to do this research. And I think that really makes it authentic. You know, for our first go at it, it felt really, really successful. And it was really amazing to watch some of the students walk out of that with identities as researchers, while also really knowing our campus and the support that we offer them. That historically, these experiences haven't been available equally, and especially by providing the course-based experiences, um, there's much more equity in the dis distribution of, of having a research experience. So embedding the research experience in the course makes it accessible to far more students, and it begins to scaffold those skills and habits of mind that will help make the students successful in a higher level, more concentrated research experience. Nate, you mentioned forming these identities as researchers in these early undergraduate programs and then building this pipeline that gets them like inspired, motivated, engaged to do this research in the graduate program. And I serve as the coordinator of the computational literacy across secondary settings program, the class program, as we like to call it. And our students as part of this program are in classrooms they are studying to be educators. Um, but they are, they're, they're forming these great identities as teacher researchers, and they're starting to dive into literature, examine data within their own classrooms to inform and improve their instruction. And when you mentioned identity formation, that hit me really hard because I think not only do we do this in the undergraduate program, but by providing these experiences, by, but by continuing to provide these experiences, for our students at the graduate level, we're then influencing the field, right? So like my students are going out to become educators who are knowledgeable about the research process, who use that in their daily actions and interactions with students. Um, and I think that that just makes a better educator overall. And so I would liken that, or I would kind of like generalize that, and maybe this is an overgeneralization, but anybody who comes with these skills is going to be a better whatever they are studying to be overall, because they're, they're interested in the research, they know how to do the research, and they can use that research to inform and improve whatever their practice is. I know that we think about this in communities of practice often, and I think often our, the membership in the community sort of was college um, before this, and realizing that, wow, there's a way better community, that if you're joining the field as a researcher, then these things of like, revising drafts or studying late. I mean, they, they become the practices that feel way more legitimate, right? I mean, they're just like, oh yeah, now I get why I need to do this because this is what real researchers do. This is how you have to do this. It's a, it's a harder sell to say, this is what good college students do because everyone's like, oh, I don't plan to be here that long. And I don't, this is not the identity I care as much about as I do in this field, like a teacher, like what you're talking about. That's what I care about. That this is what good teachers do that I get why I need to do these practices. You know, we know from research that Nate has done here and that people have done across the country that sense of belonging is one of the most powerful uh, persistence forces for students. 
I just love linking that belonging to the community Nate just described, right? It's nice to belong to this beautiful campus and it's nice to belong to your friends uh, in your in your peer group, but to belong to a field of study is really exciting, I think, for, for students who might not have seen that opportunity before. Sharon, I want to throw it to you. Can you give us an overview on some additional examples of programs that support student research and provide these opportunities? Sure. With the Adelante program, it's a Title V Developing Hispanic Institution grant-funded program that is kind of a sister program to a Title III program that inspired Kate McCarthy and I to write the Adelante grant, and that's the Chico STEM Connections grant program. So these two programs are very similar in that they are dedicated to offering faculty mentored student research experiences and both have a summer research program where we offer students funding for the summer and small amounts of funding to the faculty mentors to assist students to engage in an in-depth research project related to their own interests that lead hopefully to uh, not just uh, advancing their academic and research skills and increasing their interest in research, but also leads to conference presentations, competition participation, publications, uh, and an interest in going on to graduate school. Um, In addition to Adelante and the Chico STEM connection programs. We also um, offer at the graduate level, the Grad Equity Fellowship Program. And this is a program that's been funded by the Graduate Studies Office for over 30 years and is also partially funded by the Chancellor's Office. And this program offers 10 fellows the opportunity to work uh, with a faculty mentor. I I wanted to emphasize that Adelante is serving both undergraduate and graduate students. So for those undergraduates, it's helping them get to the finish line and see what's past graduation in a new way. And for graduate students, helping them get past their any imposter syndrome they might be wrestling with by getting that one-on-one intense mentoring experience with a faculty member. Um, So, and it's a win obviously for the faculty as well first of all, who love this experience of working with students, but also in many cases are advancing their own research agendas by working with these students. So it's just, it makes so much sense to bring these practices together. And I think another thing I want to kind of celebrate Chico for is our um, resourcefulness in grabbing funding when it comes available. So we got federal COVID money to help students re-engage with campus Sharon and I worked really hard to get some of that money dedicated to undergraduate research. So now we're funding a whole additional set of faculty mentored students, and we're funding a couple cohorts of faculty to develop course-based research experiences to, again, spread that experience more widely. So I think we're being really entrepreneurial about this whole process. And what's helped is that years ago, we formed a group of faculty who were interested in expanding undergraduate research into this kind of loose collaborative. So we have a, you know, a kind of a a team that's interested in this. And we've built a website for the Student Faculty Research Collaborative. So we're slowly ramping up a kind of infrastructure that's worthy of all of the great work that's happening in these various programs. I think Chico State's going to become known for this. 
to explore an example of how we might embed authentic research experiences into our coursework, I wanted to bring on a group of faculty from the Cultivating a Culture of Entrepreneurial Mindset and Undergraduate Research, or the CMIR project. And so I have with me David Brooks, Hannah Eyre, Joanna Brooks, and David Alexander. But I wanted to just kind of open it up and have somebody just share an overview of what that project entails. The the SEMA project is focused on recruiting faculty and supporting them in redesigning and implementing a course-based undergraduate research experience. Um, And we also have added entrepreneurial mindset to our project. Our, Our goal is to recruit faculty who are currently teaching STEM courses to modify their course to embed authentic research within their course. Faculty can do that over the course of the entire semester, or they can uh, modify their course where they add kind of a smaller module that may last three to five weeks within the semester. The research shows that CURE courses provide, it's considered a high impact teaching practice, and um, it helps make those courses more exciting, more interesting, um, but also provides students with the opportunity to do research that they may not otherwise get, making that opportunity more equitable for students who may not have the opportunity to engage in authentic research. Just to plug Joanna, uh, she actually was instrumental in uh, supporting and writing the grant. Uh, It's a five-year NSF grant through the uh, Improving Undergraduate STEM Education Program, specifically for HSI universities. Here stands for course-based undergraduate research experience. And then we add an E to the end to represent the entrepreneurial mindset. The cures have existed for a while, but adding the entrepreneurial element or the entrepreneurial mindset was a new piece um, that we felt would really help uh, some of our first year STEM students uh, find better connections to the science that they're learning in class, to the outside world, and, and find applications and, and see themselves creating value through the work that they're doing in their early STEM classes. So some of these STEM classes are kind of the classic Chem 111, Calculus uh, 119, 120, 121, Physics 204A, these you know uh, fairly large first year or so fundamental STEM courses for many, uh, many of the majors within the College of Engineering, Computer Science and Construction Management, and Natural Sciences and Agriculture. It's pretty amazing how the um, workforce is shifting and technology is a driving force uh, behind that. Uh, And over and over, if you search for what employers are looking for in um, entry-level graduates from university, it's creativity, creative thinking, leadership, team building. Um, A lot of the things that we uh, used to call soft skills, um, even in the STEM fields. Uh, And so uh, really focusing on helping to develop the the whole student and look at that kind of entrepreneurial focus helps the students develop into uh, critical thinking, creative students that look for opportunities and that's really what kind of drives a lot of technological advances and the economy uh, now and in the future. That's great and I think our audience would really benefit from a couple of examples so David and Hannah I was hoping you could share a little bit about your experiences adapting your courses to 
make sure that you are providing those authentic research opportunities for undergraduate students. So 65% of children entering primary school today will ultimately end up working in completely new jobs that don't exist. You know, this problem, you know, may, maybe it was quantified by the World Economic Forum in 2016, but this idea has been around for the last 20 years, and it's been tremendously influential in how I've approached teaching uh, physics. So I'm a, a professor teaching a physics 204A, and it's been sort of the primary driver of how I designed my course over the last uh, 10, 15 years, is this concern that it doesn't really matter how much physics they know coming out. It's far more important that they have the ability to learn and that they have the the exposure to the practices of research scientists so that they can engage those practices when they are, you know, participating in the real job in the real world, right? And, and so, you know, the Curie project was just a natural fit for me because I'm already very focused on embedding science practices into every aspect of my physics course. And this is just an opportunity to take it a little bit further in the sense of coming up with this authentic research project that would span multiple weeks of the semester rather than just, you know, individual classes by themselves. So David, I know that your project is centered on real world, right? Students have an opportunity to like explore something or think about something that's actually applicable to their everyday environment, which I think is super cool. Um, And I am interested to know the student reactions to the Cure and Cure e-course model. The students were very excited when I posed this project to them. And so I posed it as a a mystery. And and the, the project is about about uh, rolling resistance in, in bicycles. So I'm an amateur racing cyclist. And there, and if you know anything about cycling, it goes through these fads where people do strange things because they think it makes them go faster. And, and one of the sort of recent fads of the last five to seven years has been this idea of lowering your tire pressure to improve rolling resistance. And so I pose this as a kind of a mystery because this completely contradicts basic physics. Uh, If you lower tire pressure, you're basically going to increase your rubber hysteresis and the primary driver of rolling resistance is rubber hysteresis. So how is it possible that you can uh, lower tire pressure and reduce rolling resistance? So I pose this as sort of a mystery and they got all excited and engaged and started going onto the internet by themselves and sending me messages, posting YouTube videos and, and so on and so forth. So they got super excited about it. In my class, um, when the students come to me for a petrology class, um, it's usually the first time they've ever come across a research project um, in their academic career as juniors. And usually at the beginning of the class, they're a little bit you know, nervous about it and a little daunted by the whole idea. It seems a bit overwhelming. How can they possibly do real research in the discipline that they're in? They don't know anything yet. Um, and by the end of the class, um, I have them present, I've had them in the past present to the College of Natural Sciences poster sessions. They actually have to stand up there and talk about their research. And this year we're hoping to present to the, post, the, the Forest Service instead. So they'll actually be kind of presenting the research that they have done to other people outside the classroom. And it really 
gives them confidence. And by the end of the class, I usually see a number of the students talking to me or to other um, colleagues within the department about research opportunities within people's labs. And research is, is shown to be, as Joanna said, a high impact practice, right? So one of the, the ideal situations is if you can work one-on-one -on -one or in small groups with a faculty member, one of the major goals of CURES um, and CURE E projects is that you know, many, many students don't know to do that, don't know that's even an option or that that could be available. And there's also too many students per faculty member to make that possible to have all students work on research projects. So the nice thing about a CURE or a CURE E project is that integrating it into the classroom really allows students from other backgrounds, potentially, who don't have that institutional knowledge or kind of academic know-how to actually pursue these opportunities that are available to them. That's really great to hear. And so uh, for faculty who are interested in learning more about the CURE or CURE course models and maybe want to get involved in embedding authentic research experiences in their own teaching practice, where might one send them to get started? So um, the Senior Project has a website, which is um, has a lot of great information. Not only does it talk about the, the CURE uh, model and post resources on what that means. Uh, we have a page that kind of talks about their different uh, courses. And then we also have a page on the entrepreneurial mindset. So there's lots of great resources. And then there's other um, resources. If you go to CureNet, that is also a, a really great resource for the Cure model as well. And there you have it, folks. Today we explored impacts and examples of embedding authentic research opportunities within the student experience. And I encourage you to check out the resources on the Student Faculty Research Collaborative, Seamure, and CureNet websites. I'd like to extend a special thank you to our guests and a small reminder that you can access previous episodes of Rise Teach Learn as well as all of the resources associated with this and other episodes through our FDEV podcast webpage. A big thank you to you for listening, and until next time, we got this, Wildcats. <laughs>